Good morning. We are glad that you're here today. It's a sunny day. We're thankful for the opportunity to be out. Very grateful for your presence. If you are visiting, and we have a number of visitors with us, as always, we invite you to come back. Very thankful for your presence today. And if you are looking for a church home, as we always say, we would love to have you consider the work here. I know that we have had a number of folks that have decided to become a part of our family here. We're very thankful for that decision, and we pray that we can work together and do all that we can to bring glory to God in this community. We're going to be looking at James chapter 1 in our study today, James chapter 1. The passage Tim read a moment ago, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 26 and 27 as we think about the theme today, the danger of a worthless religion. I want to ask you a question today. How real is your religion? If you want to know one of the keys to understanding the book of James, it's found in chapter 1 in verse 22. When James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. If our religion is going to be real, if it's going to be worth something, then we've got to take what we read in Scripture, make application, and live it out every day here on earth. And so you think about what James is writing. He is writing to Christians in the first century, some of whom obviously weren't putting into practice what they were reading. And so he cautions people of all ages to make sure that we demonstrate true religion or pure religion. So I want to note with you for a moment or two what is recorded in verses 26 and 27. And there is a strong emphasis in these verses on an authentic faith. In other words, on making religion a reality. In life. The first thing that it does is emphasizes bridling our words. Now I would grant this is easier said than done, isn't it? You know, sometimes we talk about theory or theories. And we'll say, you know, theoretically this is the way it ought to be. Idealistically this is how it ought to be. Well, listen to what James writes in chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. First of all, James is talking here about the evaluation of a saint. And he's saying that here's somebody who in their mind, in their heart of hearts, thinks himself, herself, to be religious. In other words, if someone were to say, how is your religion? The response would be, everything's great. But James said that a loose tongue is a reflection Listen to him, of a deceptive heart. Hear him again. 
If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart. Now, the heart that James is talking about is not that physical organ pumping blood throughout our body. But rather, he's talking about the mind. And so, as you think about your words and your tongue, and the fact that a loose tongue is a reflection of a deceptive heart. Do you remember Solomon wrote in Proverbs 23, verse 7? As he thinks in his heart, so is he. I think about the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. When Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. In Matthew 15, Jesus said that that which proceeds out of the mouth comes from the heart. For out of the heart, listen to him, proceed what? Well, he said evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And then he tagged it with this. These are things which defile a man. So if we have this idea that we're okay spiritually speaking, but we're not bridling our tongue, if we're not keeping our tongue in check, then what James is saying is we have deceived ourselves. Now there's a second thought here. A loose loose tongue is a reflection of a deceptive heart But according to James, it is a reflection of a destitute heart. In other words, in our heart of hearts, we might think that we are full of Christ, so to speak. That our religion is acceptable in the eyes of God. But what James is saying is, let me tell you what, you are destitute, spiritually speaking. There's something wrong. Now, again, we're talking about trying to authenticate religion, authenticate what the Bible teaches. Because James said that we're to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Now, I want you to think with me secondly with regard to this point. On the one hand, you have the evaluation of a saint. But on the other hand, you have the verbalization of a saint. I want to talk a minute about the power of the tongue. Now Solomon said in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. All he is saying is that your words weld great power, don't they? For good, for evil, for right, for wrong, for life, for death. Now, with regard to the power of the tongue, Turn over to chapter 3 and listen now to what James writes in verse 5. He said, even so the tongue is a little member, but he said it boasts great things. Behold how great a fire, he said, a little wood kindles. Now drop down, look at verse 8. 
But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now note, with it we bless God and Father, and with it we curse men. We have been, who have been made in the likeness or similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Now let's just pause there for a minute. I want you to think about your usage of the tongue. Now James is emphasizing bridling the tongue. Many times in life, when we get ourselves into probably the worst of trouble, it begins and ends where? With the tongue. James said, this little member in our human body welds great power. And if we're not careful as a child of God, we can use it wrongly. Now, you think about what James is saying. On Sunday, we come together and we bless God and Father. Monday through Saturday, he said, we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. Now, let me just call a couple of things to mind here. If you're a child of God and you use profanity, let me tell you what, you've got some real trouble. You really do. Paul said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That is, none. If you use curse words, if you cuss regularly, and you use profanity, and that's your speech, let me tell you, you've got a problem. I want to make that absolutely crystal clear today. And I want you to think about social media for a minute. Many of us use social media. What you put on your Facebook page... What you post on Instagram or Twitter or some other social device, if you're using profanity, if you're saying things that are worldly in nature, if you're posting provocative pictures with a little caption under it, let me tell you what, you have a real problem spiritually. Do I make myself clear? I don't want you to leave here today and think you can use your Facebook page to smear the name of Christ. Now I want to take it a step further. And I want to get down to where we live. Don't think that some of us in the body of Christ are not using our Facebook page and other forms of social media in the wrong way. I had a young person this week say to me, I want you to look at this. We were at lunch, and there were several of us there, and she said, you know what, I wish you would talk about social media. Now, I could name names, but I'm not going to do that. But what was posted was posted by a quote-unquote Christian. And I want you to know it was ungodly filth. Ungodly filth. Just because you come and sit in this pew every Sunday does not make you what you ought to be. 
If you think you can put smut online and talk and use profanity, let me tell you what, you got another thing coming. You need to back up and read James chapter 1, verse 26. You have a deceptive heart and you have a destitute heart. Don't tell me this stuff doesn't happen because I've seen it in black and white, as we say. So how do you use your Facebook page? What about your Twitter account? Instagram? Once you put that stuff out there, it is out there. It's out there. And let me tell you what, it is a sad reflection on the body of Christ. Did you know you're bringing shame and reproach on the church that Jesus died and purchased with His blood? Do you understand that? Do you understand the implications of what you're doing? And let me tell you what, it doesn't stop there. Some things that are out on social media, prejudice, racism, wrong. It is wrong. I want you to understand, I don't want you to leave here today and think this is right. It's accepted. It is not. Let me tell you what the remedy for some is today. Let me tell you. Here it is. R-E-P-E-N-T. Do you know what that spells? Repent. Some of you need to repent. For what you've written, what you've posted online. Don't tell me it's not there. I've seen it. You need to repent or perish. I want to say it again because I want you to understand this is a hot topic. I want, you to un I want this to be crystal clear. Are we on the same page? Do I make myself clear? Yes or no? Now here's the question. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Some of us need to clean up. We need to clean up. We need to clean up our speech. And let me tell you what. Just because you haven't verbalized it, when you put it online, that's in print. It's the same thing. No different. And there are some folks, when it comes to sitting behind a computer, they are as bad as bad can be. They'll say a lot of things that, they'll say a lot of things online they would never say face to face. You know what that's called? Cowardice. Now, I want to encourage us to think very seriously about what we say, about what we write, about what we post, quote-unquote, online. This is serious stuff. Somebody said, well, you know, I really didn't mean it that way. Look, you put it in print. You meant it. You meant it. Tell me what a, quote-unquote, mature Christian has putting filth online. Tell me. What somebody my age, what does somebody my age 
Why would, why would somebody my age put provocative, filthy, profanity-laced material online? There's no excuse for it. So, number one, there is an emphasis on bridling our words. Now, I want you to listen to what James said. He said, with our tongue we bless God and Father, with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, he's writing to Christians. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You know what he's saying? You don't have any business saying things that are inconsistent with Christianity. Better use your tongue wisely. If your tongue is not under control, I want to give you some really, I want to give you some good advice today. You need to work on it. You need to start bridling that tongue. And think about what you're saying. Think about what you're writing. Think about what you're posting. Because it is a reflection of Christ whether he's in you or not in you. Second thing. First, there is emphasis on bridling the tongue. But secondly, there is an emphasis on benevolent works. So let's look at verse 27. James said, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit Orphans and widows in their trouble. I think James is saying two things here to those of us who belong to the body of Christ. First and foremost, I think he's saying that as a child of God, someone who has an authentic religion, first and foremost, we care. We care. As a child of God, if we don't care, something's not right, is it? So who do we care about? Number one, he said, we care about helpless people, orphans. There are a lot of young children in our world today that don't have the luxury of living in a home with a mom and dad. They don't have biological parents. I'm grateful that the church here supports Pineville Children's Home. I'm grateful that we care enough that we share with them. And so, James here said that true, authentic religion shows itself in how much we care. You remember, do you remember many years ago when Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ? So, we care, about, we care about the helpless, and we care about the hurting. We care about helpless people. We care about hurting people. You know, there are, according to, to James, there are folks in our world who've lost a mate. And that's a terrible thing. It's a hard thing. There are a lot of folks that have buried the love of their life. And so, as Paul would say, we, 
Rejoice with them that rejoice. We weep with those who weep. And James is saying that, you know, as a child of God, we ought to care above all others, shouldn't we? You know, one of the ways that we reach the world with Christ is by showing people we care about them. Somebody said one time, people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So we care. But we don't just care, we take it to another level. We share. Now I want you to listen again to what James said. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And the idea is that we render due benevolence. We share. Well, how so? Monetarily speaking. You know, one of the, one of the things that is necessary for children, children's homes to operate is money. It takes resources, doesn't it? And then you think about, are there widows sometimes who, because of unfortunate circumstances, don't have a very... Uh, don't, don't have a lot, materially speaking? Well, the answer is yes. Sometimes they have very little monetarily. So what James is saying is that as a child of God, we have the opportunity to do what? To help them. Listen, if you would, to what Paul wrote. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. Now, we talk about sharing monetarily and materially. You remember in Matthew 25 when Jesus said, you know what, I was hungry, and what'd you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. He said, I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger, you took me in. Sick and in prison, and you visited me. That's helping people. And what James is saying is that pure, authentic, true religion is a religion that is in action. We're out here trying to serve the needs of people, to help people. You know, you think about the storm that blew through last Saturday morning early. The devastation that was caused in DeSoto County. The benevolent works that have been put into action because people care, because they're willing to share. And as a member of the body of Christ, doesn't that say something? You know, when the world looks... And it says, you know what, those folks in the Church of Christ, they really care. And not only do they care, but they share what they have. It makes an impression on the world. And what was it Jesus said? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When we engage in acts in the name of Christ, does it not bring honor and glory to Him? Didn't Jesus say, inasmuch as you did it unto one of these least of my brethren, you did it whom? Unto me. So, we lift up Christ by helping others. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. First, there is an emphasis on bridling the tongue. Secondly, there is an emphasis on benevolent works. Thirdly, there is an emphasis on our behavior in the world. Listen now to him. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Two thoughts here, very quickly. Number one, James talks about the danger of the world. Why is the world so dangerous? Well, number one, because there's the danger of conforming to the world. 
Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we're not to be conformed unto the world, but rather we're to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And the idea is we're not to allow the world to pour us into its mold. Now you ask, why is that the case? Show me somebody who is conformed to the world, and I'll show you somebody who has compromised with the world. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, love the other. You can't serve the world on the one hand and the Word on the other. It doesn't work that way. And so James is talking about the danger. And let me tell you what, in many respects, it is self-imposed danger. We immerse ourselves in the world. The world has the ability to conform us, and then we, we compromise. I talked just a moment ago about Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and other things. Let me tell you what. When you get on your Facebook page and you put filth on there, you have compromised with the world. You're showing people in, in the world in which we live, you're showing other Christians that you have compromised. You have conformed to the world, and you have compromised. Just call it what it is. You're in the world. Walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, looks like a duck. What is it? Last time I checked, it's a duck. Well, same thing's true. If your life doesn't match up with Christianity, you're in the world. So you think about the danger of the world. But then secondly, he talks about the destructiveness of the world. Why is the world so destructive? James said pure religion, authentic religion, true religion is such that a person keeps himself, herself unspotted from the world. We're not going to allow the world to taint us, to conform us. We're not going to compromise with the world. We've drawn a line in the sand and we have said we are not crossing that line. Two things very quickly. The destructiveness of the world. What James is saying is the world will impact our fellowship with the Lord. You say, how so? Well, look at James chapter 4, verse 4. I'm glad you asked that. Because in James chapter 4, verse 4, I want you to read what he said. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you know what James is saying there? He is saying as a child of God, if you're in the world, you are committing spiritual adultery. And you are at variance with God. You're on the outs, as we say. You're out of fellowship with God. Not only does it impact our fellowship with the Lord, but it impacts our future with the Lord. Now here's the bottom line, and I don't want you to miss it. If as a child of God, you're in the world and you're living like the world, talking like the world, dressing like the world, acting like the world, you can't go to heaven. You got it? You can't go to heaven. How do I know that? Because John said, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father, listen to him, is not any. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. 
and the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God abides forever. If you're in the world and living like the world, dressing like the world, talking like the world, you have hooked your wagon to a system that will pass away. And here's what the Lord will say on the day of judgment. Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to close today by saying, look, I know this is a tough lesson. It's a tough le- it was. It's tough for me. I don't, I don't relish saying some of the things that I said today. I want you to understand that I love you, I care about you, I'm here to help, not hurt. But sometimes, sometimes we got to strike while the iron is hot. And there are times when we've got to say things that make us uncomfortable. You know, my job as a preacher is to comfort the afflicted in some respects, but to afflict the comfortable. Sometimes we get too comfortable. Sometimes we need to be, our world needs to be rocked. It needs to be turned upside down. We need to get headed back in the right direction. I'm talking to you today. I'm talking to you and you and you and you. I'm talking to all and I'm talking to myself. Don't think this lesson doesn't apply to me because it does. First and foremost, it applies to me. I'm no different than anyone else. I have the same faults and frailties as you. Sometimes I stumble and fall. Sometimes I'm not as I would like to be. But I want to try. And I want to do my best. And sometimes what I've got to do is resolve to do better. It's called repentance. We'll do better. It might be that you're here today and that's where you are. You need to do better. You know you need to do better. We know you need to do better. The Lord knows you need to do better. So the question is, are you going to do better? Are you going to do better? If you're here and you're not a Christian, the gospel is for you. Jesus came, lived, and died so that you might enjoy the forgiveness of your sins. And the Bible says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. Still good scripture. When you obey the gospel, God will put you in the church. Acts 2, verse 47. If you're here today and you're not what you ought to be, and God's Word has touched your heart today, and you know you need to make some changes, maybe you need the prayers of the church. Could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?